is from Leviticus chapter 20, verses 1 to 8. Leviticus 20. And uh, note what this has to say about the connection between God's holiness and the holiness of his people. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You shall also say to the sons of Israel, Any man from the sons of Israel or from the aliens sojourning in Israel who gives any of his offspring to Molech shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will also set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given some of his offspring to Molech so as to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. If the people of the land, however, should ever disregard that man when he gives any of his offspring to Molech so as not to put him to death, then I myself will set my face against that man and against his family and I will cut off from among their people both him and all those who play the harlot after him by playing the harlot after Molech. As for the person who turns to mediums and to spiritists to play the harlot after them, I will also set my face against that person and I will cut him off from among his people. You shall consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes and practice them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And uh, you see that connection there between the holiness of God, the fact that because he is holy, he is the God who sanctifies, who makes holy his people, and the command, therefore, that his people practice holiness. Would you also turn, please, then to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'll read verses 13 to 17, and that's the text for the sermon. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 to 17. In the uh, previous reading from Leviticus 20, we saw that there is a necessity of sanctification on the part of God's people due to God's nature. And now in 2 Thessalonians 2, we find some other reasons for the necessity of sanctification. Thessalonians chapter 2, starting at verse 13. After that, I'll read from the Westminster Confession. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. And it was for this he called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, 
comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Then also from the Westminster Confession, chapter 13, article 1. They who are once effectually called and regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit created in them, are further sanctified, really and personally, through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection, by his word and spirit dwelling in them. The dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed, and the several lusts thereof are more and more weakened and mortified. And they, more and more quickened and strengthened in all saving graces to the practice of true holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have gifted us with the truth putting the Bible in our hands, but more than that, placing your word on our hearts. Would you cause us, therefore, since we openly proclaim the vital importance of your word, to attend to it carefully again this afternoon, and that we may do so even in the midst of lockdown, with any concerns that there may be from the effects of that. But Father, help us to put our focus where it needs to be this afternoon. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Covenant people of God, in Roman Catholic theology, historically, sanctification, which loosely we could define as the practice of holiness, sanctification in Roman Catholicism is part of the ground of being declared right with God, being justified by God. In response to that teaching, the Reformed faith has always said, no, sanctification is essential, but it is not essential as the ground of our our salvation. But how can it be essential? This is the question. How can it be essential if it is not the ground or the basis of salvation. Well, you know, things can be necessary for a variety of reasons, not just necessary because they are the ground or the basis of something else. For example, breathing is necessary for human beings. It is necessary for human life to to exist and to continue. But it is certainly not the ground of human existence or being human. In fact, um, animals also have to breathe. So it's certainly nothing uh, unique there as uh, a ground of humanity. Well, here in 2 Thessalonians 2, we find four reasons why sanctification is necessary and not a single one of these reasons have to do with sanctification being a ground or basis, or meritorious cause of our salvation. Four reasons. First of all, to do with God's purpose. 
Secondly, to do with an unbreakable chain. Thirdly, to do with word and spirit. And fourthly, to do with the gaining of glory. God's purpose, the unbreakable chain, word and spirit, and the gaining of glory. In the first place, sanctification is necessary because it's God's purpose for us. The Apostle Paul, along with Silvanus and Timothy, recognised the need for giving thanks to God for the brethren in Thessalonica because God had chosen them. He had chosen or elected them, uh, predestinated them to life from the beginning, from before the world even began. But we told the reason for that, the purpose for that, that he had elected them for salvation, for salvation through sanctification. And in that connection, we could think of Ephesians 2 verse 10 makes a rather similar point. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, it's a predestined thing, prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. This is part of our predestined and created reason for being. Ephesians 1 says that God's purpose from eternity for us also included or involved our justification, our adoption, our redemption, our receiving of an inheritance and all of that for his glory. So sanctification is not the only purpose that God has for us, but it is surely part of it. Now, if you landed a great job, your dream job, and your boss called you in before you commenced work, he wanted to go over your job duties, and he told you, uh, this is what we hired you for. This is the, the very purpose for which we hired you, and this is what we want, want you to do, and then listed a number of things. Would you then respond to that and say, well, I agree with some of the things that you've mentioned, that you've listed, I agree with part of your purpose in hiring me for this job, but I don't agree with all of it, and there's this and that part of it that I don't agree with, and I'm just not going to do that. It's not my purpose, even if it's yours. What we have here in this passage, and in ones like it, is that, uh, this point that there is a stated purpose for which the living God has called us, for which he even predestined us before this world was even made. And therefore, we had better take his purpose very, very seriously. As we see in Ephesians 1 and 2, and also in our text, and also in the Westminster Confession, Sanctification is not only part of our purpose, it is also part of a chain, an unbreakable chain, sometimes referred to as the golden chain, that uh, irrevocable connection between predestination, calling, regeneration, conversion, justification, sanctification and glorification. 
And you find that connection, which we look at in our second point, you find that expressed through this whole section of the Westminster Confession. If you care to look sometime at chapter 10, article 1, chapter 11, article 1, chapter 12, article 1, chapter 13, article 1, and also then jumping ahead to chapter 17, article 1, and you'll find those various items connected together in that unbreakable chain. Well, if you have a, a chain, a gold chain, for example, a necklace perhaps, and one of the links breaks in that chain, then the whole chain breaks and it's no longer any, any effect or use. And that is why sanctification is necessary. Because if you remove sanctification from that chain of predestination, calling, conversion, justification and so on, if that were possible to pull that link out, and it isn't, but if it were, then you would not have that chain any longer. That is why it's necessary. But this in no way suggests that sanctification is the ground or basis of salvation. The Lord Jesus and his saving work is the only ground, basis or meritorious cause by his death and resurrection or as the Westminster puts it here, through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection. So the connection between sanctification and our salvation is not one of meritorious cause or ground. But that doesn't mean there is no connection. There is a connection here, a connection of another kind. Our salvation, we read, is through sanctification, verse 13. So that's a connection. It is, uh, we could paraphrase that verse 13, we could put it this way, saying that we are chosen unto salvation in connection with sanctification. But what precisely is the connection? If it's not the ground or basis, what is it? And I put it to you that the connection is this, that sanctification is the fruit of our calling and regeneration, but it is not the root of our salvation. Or, if you want to put it another way, sanctification is part of the pathway that the justified must follow. It is not the cause of our justification, but it's the pathway that must be walked by the justified. And as a pathway, it is necessary. Some of you may have been involved in a sponsored walk for charity. I've done it myself a few times, though I will admit not recently, but sometimes some fairly long walks to raise money for various causes. And the thing is that once you've applied to participate in one of those walks, you're often given a, a route that you have to follow. Uh, same is true in some of those uh, Olympic events that you may have watched recently, marathon walks and so on. You have a, a route, a particular route, that you have to follow. And in fact, if you, if you divert, if you diverge from that, that route there's going to be trouble. You must stick to the root. You're not accepted as a participant because you have walked that route, but once you are accepted, that is the route that you must follow. 
So sanctification is part of that necessary route by which Christians must walk between predestination and glory, on the way to glory. Not necessary as a ground of our acceptance. That walk, we further read in verse 13, is one of sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. And here in this we find a third reason why sanctification is necessary, because of the work of the Word and of truth and the Holy Spirit in our lives. Westminster 13.1 tells us that the Holy Spirit uh, works regeneration, the new birth, giving us a new heart and a new spirit which he creates within us. He also works within us, he gives the gift of faith so there is an outward response to that inward regeneration and the nature of faith is that it receives and believes God's word. It receives and rests on the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw that previously. But it also receives and believes God's word. Word and spirit then dwell within us, creating ongoing and further sanctification. Because that's the nature of both word and spirit. They are holy and so the work that they do is holy. And that is part of God's purpose, the purpose of both the Father and the Son in sending word and spirit to dwell in us to enable us to begin practicing holiness more and more. Or, as it's put in verses 16 and 17 of our text, to comfort and strengthen our hearts in every good work and word. This then is another part of the necessity for sanctification that arises from having the word and spirit of God within us. Since that is the nature of the work that they do, whenever they dwell within a sinner, there must be sanctification going on in our lives if our claim to be Christian is true. And that's also why on the last day, Good works and deeds will be the basis for the separation of the sheep from the goats. Matthew 25, verse 32 forward. Not because those works and words and deeds, not because they are the meritorious ground or basis of our salvation, but because they are the indicators of it. They are part of the litmus test of it. They are a test or a demonstration of what lives in us, whether there is within us a desire to serve the Lord Jesus Christ or not. Whether there is that desire that has been wrought within us by his word and spirit or not. Whether instead there is disinterest in him, whether the work of word and spirit are absent within us. He is the soul, the Lord Jesus is the sole ground of our salvation. But the question is, are you giving evidence of a real faith connection to him? Are you giving evidence of that indwelling of the Holy Spirit and that real inner embracing of God's word? Part of God's purpose for us, for calling us through the gospel, 
is also that we gain glory at the end. Verse 14. Fourth and final point, the gaining of glory. Westminster 13, Article 1, tells us that without the practice of true holiness, no man shall see the Lord in glory, as Matthew 25 confirmed. For no one will enter glory if they are apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And our sanctification, or lack of it, will demonstrate whether we do have faith in him or whether we are, in fact, apart from him. This is also why the Apostle prays in verses 16 and 17 that those who are given eternal comfort and good hope by grace may be comforted by the Father and the Son and strengthened in every good work and word so that our Christian hope will in fact be realised. All those who are elected, all those for whom the Lord Jesus Christ died, must be preserved until they attain to glory. And therefore, it is necessary that they also be sanctified along the way, because without that sanctification, no one will see glory. Okay, so these are powerful reasons, reasons of necessity for you to practice holiness. Because this is what God has chosen you for, among other things. And because this is a necessary link in the chain that follows from your predestination and your calling and your regeneration and your conversion and your justification, such that if there is no holiness, the implication is there is no calling, there is no regeneration, there is no conversion or justification applied to you. And further, it is necessary, sanctification is necessary as a link in the chain that leads on to glory. For if there is no holiness, then there is for you no glory at the end. And no doubt we could come up with many other reasons from the scripture for the necessity of sanctification. But here in this passage, we have ample evidence that it is necessary for multiple reasons. Whichever way you look at it, sanctification is necessary. What does this mean in practice if you take this seriously? Well, the Westminster in this article gives us some idea of that, tells us of what sanctification involves, points out the The dominion of sin has been destroyed by the work of Christ. The power of Satan over your life, the power of sin over your life has been broken. The bondage that you have has been broken and therefore you can begin, at least to start in it, you can begin to put sin to death in practice, uh, what we call mortification of sin, putting it to death. Moreover, you can do so without terror, not driven by fears of of punishment and hell, not driven by that. So without the terror of condemnation by God being the, the motivation, the primary motivation. Moreover, having a share in Christ's victory and his resurrection life and resurrection power, being strengthened by him as the apostle prays for here in this text through word and spirit, 
This means that you can also begin more and more. You can grow in saving graces, in the fruits of the Spirit, and the outworking of those fruits in the practice of true holiness. Since the ground of our salvation, and for that matter, the ground of our sanctification, comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, and the strengthening and comfort comes from the Father and the Son through the work of word and spirit, therefore, if you want to take these words about sanctification seriously, if you want to take the necessity of it seriously in your life, then keep on praying for help in that process of sanctification because this is where it comes from. It comes from God through the work of Father, Son and Holy Spirit through the the effect of God's word upon you. But also apply yourself to it because this is something, sanctification is something where God takes up and involves and strengthens and enables our cooperation with what he is doing. Apply yourself to the practice of holiness. Apply yourself to confessing your sin and turning from it rather than letting it remain unchallenged. Apply yourself to the word of God because it is there that you will find sanctification described and there that you will find it commanded And there you will find the motivation for it. And there also you will find uh, that which, with the work of the Spirit accompanying, creates that sanctification in us. And do these things rather than acting as if you would break the unbreakable, the unbreakable chain. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, would you fill us with the desire to be more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ as much as we can? Will you fill us with the desire to show that we are truly grateful for the mercy that you have shown to us for his sake? Will you fill us with the desire to live in the way that is pleasing to you with his strength? Father, will you fill us with the fear, godly fear of you, a fear combined with love, not the fear of terror, but the fear that comes with awe and reverence for your holy name. And will you sanctify us more and more? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The man who ascends the hill of Jehovah is the sanctified man. Psalm hymnal 41, and afterwards we'll receive God's blessing and have the opportunity to sing a doxology as well. Number 41. Receive by faith the blessing of the Lord, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And then as a doxology to end, we sing from the Psalter hymnal, number 86, stanzas 2 and 3.